Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Did you know that Black and White Sports is the largest independently owned conservative sports brand in the world? We have over 125,000 subscribers on YouTube and over 39 million views. Our episodes get more views than most ESPN programming every single day. And now we have exploded on podcast. We brought our episodes to podcast for you to enjoy at work, school, in the car, on the beach, wherever you choose to consume our audio. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Breaker. Subscribe now. Friends, let's face it. The future of America is looking worse each day. Those who are observant have the feeling that something really bad is going to happen soon. If it does, are you prepared? Do you have enough food, water, and other essentials to get you through tough times? If not, Check out My Patriot Supply. They're the nation's number one preparedness company, and they've served millions of American families. Right now, you can save 25% off their popular four-week emergency food kit, which will keep you well-fed with four weeks worth of breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks, totaling over 2,000 calories a day. This food stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage, So it will be there when you need it. In fact, you may need it a lot sooner than that. So don't wait. Go to preparewithblackandwhite.com and claim your four-week emergency food kit. You'll save 25% if you act now. That's preparewithblackandwhite.com. Don't wait. Do it today. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Javi Coffee. Javi Coffee is the way I love to start off my morning I work very, very hard for you guys to put out the best content possible. And I get my energy from Javi Coffee. Would you like to have that same energy that I have every single morning? Well, you should try Javi Coffee. And for you guys, you can actually get three bottles of Javi Coffee for only $16.95 per unit. Each bottle contains 30 servings. It will save you so much money. From going to your local coffee shop. And by the way, folks, it actually tastes even better. You can use sugar. You can use monk fruit. I'm a low carb person. I don't like the carbs. This is keto friendly. And guys, it is super easy to make. Just put water in your cup. Add one teaspoon or two teaspoons of Javi coffee. Mix it up. Use whipped cream, sugar, monk fruit, whatever. And folks, it tastes absolutely amazing. So check out the link in the description or the pinned comment and get Javi Coffee delivered to you today. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Live. We're going to talk about Urban Meyer. Tim Tebow, 
and some comments that Tebow made yesterday. Uh, as you can expect, Tebow completely has Urban Meyer's back. Uh, some people got mad at me. I made the video the other day about the fact that uh, Urban Meyer had a meltdown. Well, it is what it is. You know, you can't threaten your coaching staff's jobs two weeks in in the NFL. Okay, um, the fact is a lot of those coaches will get let go, and somebody will grab them real quick, especially a veteran OC like Daryl Bevel, um, a guy that's flirted with being a head coach himself several times. And I think people thought I was hating on Urban. No. I've said from the time Urban got hired, I thought he was a pretty damn good hire. I did. I'm rooting for Urban. But there are things going on surrounding the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer that plain and simple, no matter what, no matter how you spin it, something isn't right as of right now. The other day, Urban released a statement on behalf of the Jaguars where he apologized because the team was losing. After two weeks, okay, um, the NFL season is now 17 games. Okay, so... You know, I've got to question some things like that. And, of course, there's always going to be some scrutiny when you're that good of a college coach and you come to the NFL. Now, I thought, look, I just think Urban Meyer's a better coach than guys that did it in the past, like Dennis Erickson or like Bruce Davis, uh, Butch Davis. Uh, Urban's a better coach than those guys. Okay, let's just be real. Uh, Urban has been dominant, and he is a he's always been a CEO kind of head coach, which you need in the NFL. I understand he's trying to establish a culture. I didn't understand the Tebow thing because I didn't understand why he handled it the way he did. Uh, in other words, he brought Tim Tebow in for a literal tight end uh, tryout. I did not understand that. I thought he would bring him in in more of a offensive weapon kind of, uh, you know, offensive weapon kind of player, kind of a Swiss Army knife. Goal line fullback, uh, little tight end, you know, little quarterback maybe. And it's probably a good thing that Tim Tebow's not on the roster right now considering Trevor Lawrence doesn't look great. And part of that, in my opinion, is also on Urban. I watched this team the first two weeks, and I can't figure out what their offensive identity is whatsoever. Uh, it's a, it's a terrible-looking drag-your-feet quicksand o- offense. Which is strange, coming from Urban, but it's just not working right now. So, Tim Tebow has come out, made some comments. Uh, he had, he fully, of course, as you would expect, co-signs Urban. Always a believer, and this is outkick, Tim Tebow thinks the Jags are heading in the right direction, and they may be. If you're looking for someone in the know to poo-poo the Jaguars' brutal start, you'd better look somewhere other than Tim Tebow, the patron saint of Florida, would never openly admit a team stinks, even the pungent Jags. I just think, quote, I just think they have to stay the course, says the overly optimistic Tebow. Tebow, who who was sent packing by the Jaguars in August, spoke about the team's winless start during an appearance on the AP Pro Football Podcast. Quote, I think that they just have to stay the course and continue to work to improve. I think there's a lot of talent there, and they just have to continue to try to get better. From there, the former quarterback left fielder preacher tight end discussed Jacksonville's signal caller top pick Trevor Lawrence. Quote, 
And every week, I think Trevor's got so much talent and ability. I think he's a great young man, and I think he's going to be just fine. Through two weeks, Lawrence has pushed, produced a very Tebow-like state, stat line, completing 50% of his passes for 450 yards and more picks than touchdowns. What you thought Lord Tebow was going to rip the rookie? This is Outkick saying that, not me. Still, Tim Tebow has no regrets about the short time he spent with Lawrence and the rest of the Jaguars. It was a lot of fun. It was a blessing to have the chance to do it and go pursue that and really enjoyed all of it. Enjoying the competition, the grind, the highs, the lows of all of it. When you can look at everything as an opportunity to grow, improve and grow, that molds you. I think you're always trying to figure out things, even the good, the bad, how you can get better at it how you can use it, how God can use it in your own life, continue to grow and improve. It'll be interesting to see how God can use this dumpster fire of an NFL team over the next 15 weeks. As they say, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That's also Outkick that said that part. So, uh, look, one of the things I really respect about Tebow is he comes out and he he is pro-Christianity and he won't hide it. Okay, you just don't see that out of a lot of sports players these days. You certainly don't see it out of the media. In fact, Tim Tebow's come under a lot of scrutiny because of his beliefs, which is insane. But that's just a fact, okay? And uh, look, again, I, I'm i not sure why Urban brought Tim Tebow in. I thought Urban wanted to keep Tebow around for influence on that team, Okay to help install his kind of culture. And look, Urban has talked about. He's trying to get his culture. That I understand. The other caveat is uh, Jimmy Johnson went 1-15 his first year. Okay? Uh, so, and it was a tough-ass year for Troy Aikman. So Trevor Lawrence has not looked great. Okay? He has not looked good. If you want to know the truth, uh, I've watched, watched his All-22 there's things about Lawrence right now in this moment that just worry me. I thought he was going to look a lot more like Mac Jones, uh, maybe a slightly more mobile Mac Jones. And if you look at the two quarterbacks, you'd think Mac was the first overall pick right now. Uh, he's just efficient, high completion percentage. Uh, even if he is checking the ball down some, it doesn't matter. Uh, 50% completion and more interceptions and touchdowns right now doesn't look good for the number one overall pick. And eventually, Urban's going to have to start managing that scrutiny, which is going to get bigger and bigger on Trevor Lawrence. Okay, He's going to have to watch that. And Urban is going to have to establish some kind of offensive identity. You know, when I watch him, I'm like, what is he trying to be? Are you a run-first team? Are you a, a pass-first team? Are you a wide-open spread-it team? What are you doing out there? It just, it's painful to watch the Jaguars on offense. It's more of the same crap we have seen out of the Jaguars forever. I hope Urban turns it around. I hope he's able to break narratives. But he's got to take a step back, quit doing things like sending out apologies to fans. You shouldn't be worried about that right now. It's way too early. Clearly, you are, and we know Urban's stress level is a thing. 
the comment section every time I make an Urban Meyer video fills up with he's got one year here and he's out. You know, I hope he makes it. I do. I'm pulling for Urban. Tell me what you think, black and white live fans. Tim Tebow, I mean, it doesn't surprise us that he's co-signing Urban, right? He loves Urban Meyer. They love each other. They it, it's It's a great friendship. So Tebow is always going to be the optimist here. We'll see. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodriance for Black and White Live. Well, for months we've been wondering about the status of somebody that organized more than a vote on behalf of Joe Biden. And now, all across the country, we have mandates going up everywhere for the Wuhan virus. Well, said creator of more than a vote, we've been wondering, what's LeBron James's COVID-19 jab status? That's right, because for months and months, LeBron James runs his mouth about everything under the sun that you can possibly think of involving every topic except communist China and the NBA. And there's jab status. He's dodged that. Well, I hate to break it to LeBron, but the Lakers GM doxed him out. That's right. COVID-19 vaccine mystery solved. That's right. Oh, now we can all... Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Uh, GM says Lakers will be fully vaxxed. LeBron James may not want to talk about it, but the NBA superstar did get or is getting the jab. So says GM Rob Palinka, who claims the whole Lakers roster will be fully vaccinated by the start of the season. King James has danced around the matter for months electing to keep his vaccine decision a family matter. You know what's odd? All the influence he has over uh, so many people that seem to be uh, lovingly hanging on everything that LeBron James does. So much influence. But this is one issue that LeBron did not leap out there on. Isn't that interesting? But Palinka revealed LA's entire roster will in fact be 100% vaccinated when the season kicks off. And in case you didn't know, LBJ is on the Lakers. Quote, on opening night, all the players that are currently signed on our roster will be deemed fully jabbed. Palenka told reporters on Thursday, quote, we're grateful for that. Palenka says it's a sign of relief to know that the team and the staff members will not face any setbacks due to people within the organization being unjabbed. Of course, LeBron previously brushed off the topic, calling it, quote, not a big deal back in May. Quote, anything I do off the floor is predicated to my family for the majority or 99% of that, James said at the time. It's about health and safety of my family. That's what it came down to. Being available to my teammates on the floor is about taking care of my body and me doing everything I can to make sure I'm available both mentally and physically and spiritually as well. Good God. 
But anything of that nature is all family talk. There was a strong indication Braun had been jabbed prior to the first round of the NBA playoffs last year when the league explained he would not have to quarantine following an appearance at an outdoor event. Had he not been vaxxed, James would have been forced to stay home from the team for a period of time. Now all speculation can be put to rest, except I got a theory that there's no way in hell Adam Silver had the testicular fortitude to ever set LeBron James down during the NBA playoffs. I don't believe he would have done it under any circumstances. There would have been some kind of an excuse, some kind of a dodge, some kind of a swing around the issue to make sure LeBron James saw the court, even if the NBA ratings did go up a tinge, a tinge when LeBron James uh, was gone. When LeBron James got eliminated, a few folks tuned in. A few more folks tuned in anyway. When the one guy that's run his mouth about everything, the police, you name it, he's got an opinion on it. It's a terrible opinion, but he's got one. Um, as soon as he was gone, people, some people came back to the NBA. I didn't, but some people did. So now the mystery of LeBron James either being jabbed or getting the jab prior to the season starting because California has lost its ever-loving mind when it comes to the jab, that mystery is solved. LaChina James. LaChina James brave, stunningly, courageously, virtuously got the jab. Mm. Peace. I'm out till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Live. Well, I'm going to do this video on something I heard on Tom Kernan's podcast, Patriots Talk. Go subscribe. It's a great Patriots podcast. And I give Tom Kernan credit because, look, he's still pro-Patriots, but he also understands... The loss of Tom Brady in the in the big scheme of things, and the fact that Tom went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl in his first season with a new team in a new conference, and let's be real, Tom and Gronk, okay, together, and many have come out and said Gronk wanted to leave the Patriots because Bill Belichick tried to change him, uh, tried to trade him to. Uh, the Lions, when Matt Patricia was coach, and Gronk said, no, forget it, I'm done, I'm retiring. And then, of course, he came out of retirement and went to Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady's father was very, very honest about the fact that there was absolute vindication for Tom Brady and how things were handled in New England involving Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Because... Look, and we got to say, and the Patriots, because regardless of how much emphasis people are, are blame, people want to place on Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft could have vetoed this whole thing and kept Tom Brady, and he didn't, okay? He didn't. So, and I understand he wanted to, want to let Bill run his organization, and because the head coach is the CEO, all right, 
especially Bill Belichick. And I understand, look, the Patriots are set up pretty good now with Mac Jones. But I don't think anybody thinks the Patriots are winning a Super Bowl this year, even as good as Mac has looked. So, um, and look, Tom Brady looks great. Nine touchdowns, zero picks. And right now the Patriots look terrible because they let Tom go. It's just a fact. The Patriots don't look good in this situation. Tom Brady Sr. rants about Suns. Patriots departure says there's vindication after Super Bowl win. Tom Brady's father is very much looking forward to the Tampa Bay Bucks week four matchup with the Patriots and his son playing his former team. I think that's the biggest game really and truly on the schedule at least the first half of the season. Tom Brady Sr. raised the stakes on Wednesday when he sounded off about his son's career with the Patriots and the decision to leave the team after winning six Super Bowls. Quote, Tommy is extraordinarily appreciative of everything that happened during his New England career, and he's more than happy that he's moved on because it was pretty obvious that the Patriots regime felt that it was time for him to move on, Brady Sr. told NBC Sports Boston. And frankly, it may have been perfect for Belichick to move on from him. Quote, on the other hand, I think Tampa Bay are pretty happy with the decision that was made in Foxborough that they didn't want to afford him or didn't want to keep him when his last contract was up. Brady Sr. said he believed Belichick wanted a quarterback, the quarterback, quote, out the door. And he felt some vindication after his son threw 40 touchdown passes in 2020, the first time he hit that milestone since 2007. When asked... If he felt the same vindication, Brady Singer said, damn right, quote, damn right. And I was listening to this podcast. He said it multiple times with conviction. There's, it's clear there is some bitterness there between Brady, the Bradys, and the Patriots organization. There's plenty going to be a war win focus on the Buccaneers and Patriots game. New England appeared to have found the successor for Brady and Mac Jones, while Brady is coming off his seventh Super Bowl title. First with the Bucks. October 3rd is the big game, and that's a huge game. I can't wait for it. Um, I just wish Mac Jones was like a third-year quarterback now. Uh, I think that would make things even more interesting. But he's a rookie, and I fully expect the Buccaneers to win that game. I do. I just think I think the Bucs have too much firepower, even with Belichick scheming a defense. Now, I don't. I think there's a chance it might not be as high-scoring as people think. I could see something in the neighborhood of 27-17, not 42, uh, you know, 42-7 or something like that. I don't think it'll be a, a blowout. I could see the Patriots staying competitive through about two and a half to three quarters, and then the Bucs are really going to pull away. And there is going to be a fire lit under Tom Brady's ass in this game. You know, I would say like nothing we've ever seen before, but what he did against Atlanta, I don't know that we will ever see before uh, again. Uh, that was the biggest fire I've ever seen lit under any singular NFL entity ever. That's the greatest half of football I've ever seen any quarterback play. It was unbelievable what the Patriots did coming back against Atlanta, and Atlanta is still on their ass right now. Um, one of the other things that Tom Kernan asked Tom Brady Sr. was about Patriots gear, Patriots memorabilia. What did he have? 
And he basically said at this point, he's given it all away to charity or somewhere. He has given most of it away. Can you imagine that all these years that Brady was with the Patriots? There's some definite venom there between the Brady's and the new England Patriots. And it just adds a little bit more, a little bit more to the upcoming game we've got coming up. I mean, and guys, like I said, when he said, answered those questions, it was multiple questions from Tom Kernan. And the answer was damn right. Multiple times. And it was with a lot of conviction behind those answers. I mean, it was, I was like, wow, wow. There is truly some venom there between the Brady's and the Patriots. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Uh, He actually also mentioned they were running a poll on the Patriots Talk podcast, and it was sort of find out where the Patriots stand or whatever. And it was pretty evenly split, almost like 33% three ways between people that supported Brady, people that took the Patriots side, and people that have sort of taken both sides, right? Because I think a lot of Patriots fans are rooting for Tom. I'm certainly rooting for Tom in Tampa Bay. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Live fans, let's talk about the Beijing 2022 Olympics. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the games kick off in February. So we're roughly what this is, what, September, five months or so away from that actually happening. We know that the Tokyo Olympics happened a few months ago. And during the Tokyo Olympics, there was no vaccine mandates. And I believe that uh, the athletes, they came out unscathed. I don't believe they had really any positive tests that I actually knew about, however. But now we're going into Beijing 2022, and that's changing. That is changing if you are a member of Team USA. Not all the countries, just Team USA, folks, because now Team USA, guys, let's check this out. USOPC, U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, will require... COVID-19 vaccine for all U.S. athletes at Beijing Games. Why am I not surprised by this? Now, unlike these sports leagues here in America that have unions, the unions fight against this kind of thing. But when it comes to the Olympics, they don't have unions. So there's nobody, I believe, actually representing any of the athletes. So the athletes have no say whatsoever what goes into their body if they want to be a part of the Beijing Olympics in 2022. So let's go ahead. Let's read this here. The United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee on Wednesday said all U.S. athletes hoping to compete at the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics will need to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Quote, effective November 1st, 2021, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee will require all USOPC staff, athletes, and those utilizing USOPC facilities, including the training centers, 
to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. USOPC CEO Sarah Hirschland wrote in a letter reviewed by Rudders. This requirement will also apply to our full Team USA delegation at future Olympic and Paralympic Games. So this seems to be going beyond 2022 Beijing based on this, because they're talking about um, future Olympic and Paralympic Games. So what about 2024? Same thing. I'm pretty sure the pandemic could be over by then. At least I hope he will. So they're going to require the jab then, you know, a full three, three years from now. Probably so. Athletes and staff would have the opportunity to obtain a medical or religious exemption to the mandate. The USOPC said. Wow. Unreal. None of the major North American sports leagues require the athletes to be vaccinated. The International Olympic Committee did not require athletes, the IOC, who competed at the Tokyo Games to be vaccinated, although it was encouraged. And guys, Tokyo went off without a hitch. I don't believe they had any positive tests, at least that I I can't think of any off the top of my head. If you guys actually uh, thought of one, hey, let us know. But athletes came out okay in that. But the USA, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee said no. You will get the jab if you want to be a part of this team. Person said the USOPC had encouraged, had hoped COVID-19 restrictions would be lifted by the end of the pandemic-delayed Tokyo Games. But in reality, the pandemic is far from over. Well, right now, it's September, so you have October, November, December, January, February, five months away from now. Things could change. So what if the virus kind of dissipates come February? Are you still going to be requiring the jab? Probably so. I guess based on this. OK. It says, quote, this step will increase our ability to create a safe and productive environment for Team USA athletes and staff and allow us to restore consistency in planning, preparation, and service to athletes, she said. The move has the support of the Athletes Advisory Council and National Governing Bodies Council, she said, which was further reinforced by the FDA's approval of the Pfizer vaccine and the recent mandates by the U.S. federal government. Wow. The Beijing Winter Olympics begin on February 4th next year. So there you have it, guys. Athletes on Team USA in Beijing will need to get the jab. No, it's kind of funny, you guys, you know, that the Olympics are actually going to be in the country where the virus came from. And there's a whole bunch of theories about how uh, the virus leaked out to the rest of the world. It's from China and the Winter Olympics are going to be in China. I find that to be very, very interesting, folks. But what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of Team USA? All athletes, staff, if they're going to be a part of Beijing 2022, they have to get the jab. Now, other countries doesn't apply to other countries because this is strictly uh, from the U.S. I just think this is kind of ridiculous, folks. I really do. These are world class athletes that are going to be. In the Olympics, they take care of their bodies. They eat right. You know, I don't think it's going to affect them uh, nearly as much as, you know, the media would probably say 
But that's just my opinion right there. Check with your doctor. Do what you want to do with your own body. I believe athletes should have the same right as well. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Live, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Live fans, we're going to be talking about the NBA. More specifically, the Golden State Warriors. Can you guys believe that training camp is about to start here in the next couple of weeks? It only seemed like yesterday that the the Bucks actually won the NBA title. Now, I'm pretty sure most of our subscribers here aren't watching the Marxist NBA at China. But however, we do need to address the politics involved when it comes to players in the NBA. They don't want to get the jab. Now, the problem is Golden State plays in San Francisco in the People's Republic of California, and they have mandates. They have mandates. You have to get the jab or pretty much you can't participate in society. And I don't think it'll probably be any different when it comes to NBA games. Now, the NBA Players Union has come out and they have said we don't want players to be mandated to get the jab, even though these people want you to vote for politicians that are now mandating the jab. But I digress. Andrew Wiggins plays for the Warriors, folks, and he has been vocal that he does not want to get the jab. And as of today, right now, he has still not received the jab. And that could actually end up jeopardizing his participation in NBA games for the Warriors. So let's jump over here to ESPN. Warriors Andrew Wiggins remains unvaccinated, sources say, sources jeopardizing his availability for Golden State. Wow. Golden State Warriors swingman Andrew Wiggins said earlier this year that the only way he would get a COVID-19 vaccine is if he were forced to do so. Now, as the start of the 2021-22 season nears, the organization is dealing with an ongoing headache behind the scenes because Wiggins' stance has not changed. So he says that he would only get it if he was forced to. Now, if you look at these mandates out there in San Francisco and other places as well, they're not forcing you to get the jab per se. But if you want to participate in society, then you pretty much have to get the jab. You see the the problem right there? Wiggins has, to this point, decided against getting the vaccine, a source told ESPN, confirming a San Francisco Chronicle report Wednesday night. This has put into question his availability for some games for the start of the season. As of August 20th, the city of San Francisco has required proof of vaccination for large indoor events. So inside of where the Warriors play at, that's in San Francisco. You basically need a vaccine passport, whether you're a player or just a fan, even though on a league level, players will not be required to get the jab. 
The Warriors declined to comment on Wiggins' situation late Wednesday night, citing player privacy protocols. In a statement to the Chronicle, the San Francisco Department of Public Health said it would not comment specifically on Wiggins' situation unless the NBA grants him a religious exemption. Now, I don't know if Wiggins have actually talked about, hey, this violates my religious beliefs, but he's just been pretty much, I don't want to get this thing. I don't want to get it. And like we said before, guys, we believe it's a personal choice. You should put in your body what you want to put in your body. Check with your doctor. If your doctor says, hey, I recommend you get it, it's still going to be up to you at the end of the day. You know, when you go to the doctor, something's wrong. The doctor says, hey, why don't you take this? It's still going to be up to you to put that prescription in your body. Your doctor can't force force it down your throat. It says here, quote, we are actively addressing the matter of requests for religious exemption from vaccinations across many industries and will work with our business and entertainment community on net steps. The Department of Public Health said in a statement to the Chronicle, quote, we will provide further clarification on this topic. Wiggins, 26, was one of the higher profile NBA players to say publicly he would not be getting the vaccine during his earlier comments on the topic. And this is what he said. As of March uh, 22nd, quote, to each his own, really, whoever wants to get it can get it. Whoever doesn't want to get it, don't get it right now. I I'm not getting it. But it's no knock on knock on anyone else that's getting it. I make my own decisions, but right now I decided not to get it. Well, he sounds a lot like us, you know, putting your body what you want to put in your body. But now these cities at that time, you know, there wasn't any mandates or anything like that. Now, some of these uh, blue cities and blue states, they have gone full authoritarian when it comes to the jab. Wiggins at the time said he was waiting for more information. Quote, yeah, I really don't. I don't really see myself getting it any time soon unless I'm forced forced to somehow. Wiggins said in March. Other than that, I'm good. And as of right now, the NBA PA says no vaccine mandates for them. Not going to happen. But if you're a, uh, a fan, a referee, you got to get the jab. The Chronicle reported that the Warriors put Wiggins in touch with an Oakland doctor to discuss the hesitancy in getting the vaccine, but he did not change his stance. So there you have it, guys. Andrew Wiggins, as of right now, still refusing to get the jab. I believe it's his choice. He can do what he want to do. I mean, the Warriors put him in contact with a doctor. Didn't do anything. It's still up to him at the end of the day. The man's 26 years old. I mean, he's a in peak physical condition, you know, being young, being an athlete, you know, he doesn't want to put it in his body. He has his own reasons. And that's his business. I don't believe that anybody's job should be jeopardized because you don't want to get the jab. I don't feel that way. If you want to get it, that's perfectly okay. If you don't want to get it, that's fine, too. That's why I am so fortunate to live in the free state of Texas. Now, we know that our, our crazy county judge over here, she would love to mandate uh, uh, vaccines and lockdowns and all that other stuff because, you know, that's the way she is. But 
I'm so happy that I live where I live at. I can't imagine living in California or New York, uh, L.A., San Francisco. In this case, I would not want to go to those places. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white live fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Live. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, let's talk about the WNBA. I'm pretty sure that most of you guys did not know, and I didn't didn't know this myself, but the WNBA playoffs are going on right now. Nobody cares about the WNBA. Nobody respects the WNBA. But however, guys, this story we're going to be talking about here in this video, this even caught me by surprise. And this just tells you how much of a dumpster fire and little respect Anybody has for the WNBA. Now, the Phoenix Mercury, they actually do have a home arena, folks, and they were kicked out of their own home arena during the playoffs in favor of a concert. I am not making this up, guys. They were kicked out of their own home arena. Now, can you guys imagine in the NBA The Lakers getting kicked out of Staples Center during the playoffs. Can you imagine Houston Rockets being kicked out of Toyota Center during the playoffs? It would never, ever happen to an NBA team. Now, I know that we come hard at the NBA. However, the NBA for right now is still making money. They are. The WNBA, they lose an average of $10 million per year. Nobody respects them whatsoever. Let's dive into this, guys. A WNBA team was booted from his home arena and forced to play single elimination playoff game in a college gym to make way for a concert. This is hilarious, guys. Absolutely, absolutely hilarious. And this team was the Phoenix Mercury and the Phoenix Mercury. They don't have scrubs on this team. They don't. They have Diana Taurasi on that team. She's one of the greatest players in the history of the WNBA. And yet they were still kicked out of their own home arena. Let's read this. It says the Phoenix Mercury boasts one of the most notorious fan bases in the entire WNBA. But when they needed their home court advantage most, the team was booted from its usual area at Phoenix's footprint center to make way for a concert. Instead, the Mercury played their single elimination playoff game against the New York Liberty at a local college, Grand Canyon University, in the school's GCU Arena Thursday night. Despite the high stakes nature of the contest and the fact that it was broadcast nationwide on ESPN2, not ESPN, ESPN2, the court still boasted all of the iconography of the Western Athletic Conference program, including Big Purple 
block letters that said GCU at center court. They didn't even take the time, folks, to change the logo to the Phoenix Mercury. None, because nobody cares about the WNBA. Nobody respects the WNBA. If an NBA team had to move to a different arena, they would at least put the logo of the home team on the court. Not happening in the WNBA. This is hilarious. This really is. It really is, guys. But it says here, fortunately for Phoenix's squad, the X Factor, the Mercury's Rockers home crowd, came out in full force despite the venue change. As Colombian singer Maluma occupied the footprint center for the Phoenix leg of his Poppy Wancho tour, the Mercury dazzled a packed house some eight miles down the road. The rocking Rambunctious crowd was audible through the broadcast for fans back home. Surely the X Factor helped power Phoenix's late game comeback to take a one point victory over the young Liberty squad. And it does say here, too, about the crowd size. Still, it's worth noting that Phoenix brought in nearly 10,000 fans for its final two home games at its usual home in Footprint Arena. Grand Canyon University Arena, which has 7,000 seats, almost surely couldn't host the number of fans interested in Thursday night's thriller in person. So I guess that's pretty a pretty good crowd for a WNBA game. Now, if you're averaging almost 10,000, that's about half of an NBA uh, team. And like I said, guys, nobody knew the WNBA playoffs were going on right now. But what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of the Phoenix Mercury getting the boot kicked out of their own home arena during the playoffs for a concert? Now, guys, I don't even know who was actually um, at this particular concert. I mean, the WNBA does not make money. So I guess when it comes down to it at the end of the day, they're going to take the profits over a team that loses money. The average WNBA team loses money. I don't think 25 years of the WNBA, if I'm not mistaken, they've never made a profit. Never. Nobody respects this league. And without the NBA, the WNBA would be dead. It cannot survive without the NBA. And I'm pretty sure that the WNBA players one day, because they're going to be watching what's going on with uh, soccer, they're going to say, we want equal pay. Imagine that, guys. The best WNBA player screaming for equal pay to the best player in the NBA. Never happened. Never happened because I'm pretty sure the best NBA player makes more money than every single player in the WNBA combined. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, the Phoenix Mercury kicked out of their home arena. You cannot make this stuff up. This is embarrassing for the WNBA. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into... 
black and white sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, black and white sports fans, let's talk about ESPN's first take. Now, guys, we all know that Stephen A. Smith has wanted Matt Kellerman off the show for many years now, dating back to 2019. So 2019, 2020 and 2021, Stephen A. Smith finally gets his way. Stephen A. Smith, the highest paid employee over at ESPN, making somewhere around $12 million per year, got Matt's Kellerman kicked off the show because he felt like first take needed to change. He felt like viewers, they were going sour on Matt's Kellerman being on that show. So Matt's Kellerman hasn't shown the door. You have Michael Irvin on Monday and you have Tim Tebow on Friday. And do you have a rotating cast of ESPN personalities during the middle of the week? Now, one would actually think that, all right, Stephen A. Smith, he's started show. Stephen A. was probably actually thinking, you know what? The show is actually going to be better because now Stephen A. Smith has said that he hasn't been this excited about first take in years. He is super excited to get his way now. However, guys, he he may have actually made a miscalculated move early on right now. Keep that in mind by kicking off Matt's Kellerman, because right now, guys, the ratings for ESPN's first take without Matt's Kellerman, they are not good. Stephen A. Smith may have miscalculated this one here because we know he runs ESPN. What he says, it goes. The black man, Stephen A. Smith, has that kind of power. And shout out to Bobby, Bobby Burak over here at OutKit because he put this together. Early numbers suggest first tape viewers didn't want Stephen A. to boot off Matt Skelman. Now, guys, I was no fan of Matt Skelman. I told you guys he is the main reason why I stopped watching first take somewhere around 2017. His takes were horrible. He was way too political. And I said, that's it. I'm out. I'm not going to watch. But let's go ahead. Let's read this here. Now in his third week, first take is settling in with his new rotation without Matt's Kellerman. Stephen A. Smith kicked Kellerman off the show and bragged about it. Smith also says he is finally excited to do first take again. And I already mentioned that. That's nice. But are the viewers as excited as Smith? Obviously, it's early and ESPN has not finished the picture. However, First Take's new revamp format hasn't been an improvement in quality or ratings so far. As a result, First Take is trailing all of ESPN's other comparable conversational programs this week. Unreal. And Bobby Burratt tweets this out. Stephen A. said on radio he saw numbers that su- suggested First Take viewers wanted Matt Kellman off the show. The early ratings say otherwise. This week, First Take is losing to Get Up, NFL Live, in addition to PTI and Around the Horn. So you can see here, guys, that uh, First Take averaging around 398,000 viewers. Get Up, 408,000 viewers. NFL Live, 413K. Around the Horn, 469K, and PTI, 652K. 
So they are in dead last. Absolute dead last. This is hilarious, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely hilarious that first take is flopping this badly. Absolutely incredible that this show is flopping. So are you guys surprised that Stephen A. Smith make a miscalculated move by dropping Matt Kellerman off this show? He may have miscalculated this whole entire thing, folks, because this is bad. This is really bad right now. I know it's early. They're going to have to get a new permanent co-host to go alongside Stephen A. Smith to truly make all of this work. They really are. The rotating cast of characters is just not cutting it, guys. It's just not cutting it whatsoever. I mean, ESPN did this when uh, Witty Page actually left um, first take. I believe it may have been Cold Pizza at the time. It was uh, Skip Bayless, and they were rotating guys in and out. But the ratings went up once Stephen A. Smith came on board permanently with Skip Bayless. And I believe they're going to have to do something like that as well. The ratings absolutely stink without Matt Kellerman. Will they improve? I don't know. But there's going to have to be some changes. The cast of characters outside of Michael Irvin really doesn't do nothing for me whatsoever. We know that the playmaker is going to bring it on Mondays, you know. Him and uh, Stephen A. Smith going back and forth, you know, toe for toe, talking about the Cowboys on Monday. That sounds sounds interesting. But the rest of the week, really uh, not so much. Stephen A. Smith is going to need a permanent co-host to really improve these ratings. I truly do believe that. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Sports fans, let's talk about the Marxist NBA of China and the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, guys, I'm pretty sure by now most of you guys know that there is a lot of drama in Philly between the Sixers and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons wants out of Philly. Now, Ben Simmons had a horrible, I mean, a horrible playoff series against the uh, Atlanta Hawks in the second round of the playoffs. He was an absolute disaster. He got thrown under the bus. And now Ben Simmons says, no, I will not report to camp. And camp starts in a couple of weeks. Kind of hard to believe that um, the new NBA season is already starting. Just seemed like yesterday that the Bucks had won the championship. But I digress. But let's talk about Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers was on MSNBC, also known, known as MSDNC. And He was actually talking about some kind of a book or something, I believe. But the topic of Ben Simmons came up. And some kind of way. Doc Rivers had to bring up Donald Trump, like Donald Trump has anything to do with the Ben Simmons situation. You know, maybe Doc was just trying to pander to the audience, but we know 
how Dot feels about uh, Trump. And I'm pretty sure he's very much pro Biden because I guess he loves rampant inflation. Uh, the border in Texas is a disaster. I guess he loves all of this because I'm pretty sure that Doc voted for this stuff. But I'll move on from that, folks. So let's go ahead. Let's dive into this, guys. Over here on SB Nation, Ricky O'Donnell writes this article here, says this Doc Rivers quote on Ben Simmons and Donald Trump blew my mind. Unreal. The Philadelphia 76ers are entangled in Ben Simmons drama at the start of the new season. To recap, Simmons made another all-star team and helped the Sixers get the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, then had an awful second round series in the playoffs defined by historically bad free throw shooting and an unwillingness to shoot in the fourth quarter. Yes, he did. Even on wide open dunks as Atlanta Hawks, Hawks pulled off the upset. Head coach Doc Rivers and superstar teammate Joel Embiid threw Simmons under the bus for his rough performance at the end of the series. And Simmons told Philadelphia he wanted to be traded. The Sixers asked for, for the world for Simmons and never completed a deal. And now Simmons is saying he's going to hold out a training camp until he's finally dealt. It's a mess. Yes, it is an absolute mess, folks. But when it comes to Doc Rivers, you know, outside of the 2008 um, championship that he won when he was the coach of the Celtics. But however, that guy had three Hall of Famers on there. Doc Rivers has been an absolute disaster as a head coach. He's had some good teams. He really has. But this man has blown the most 3-1 leads in NBA history. As the last year in that bubble, folks, Doc Rivers has become the only coach in NBA history to blow 3-1 series leads. He is known for that. And this man has a bad case of TDS. He just does. Now, this whole Ben Simmons thing is an absolute disaster. But I guess, you know, to push the pressure off of him, he had to invoke Trump into this. But let's go ahead. Let's read this. Read more of this here. Before the Sixers report to training camp next week, Rivers stopped by MSNBC to promote a new podcast he's narrating uh, called It Was Said Sports. The podcast focuses on iconic sports speeches, including Jack Butts for America poem following the 9-11 attacks, Muhammad Ali protests in the Vietnam War, Billie Jean King championing equal pay and discusses why they continue to resonate with us this day. During this interview, with host Willie Guess, Rivers was asked about the Simmons trade demand. Rivers said the team is trying to convince Simmons to stay in Philadelphia, but they're having a hard time changing his mind. It's because Ben Simmons is done. I don't think you're going to be able to change his mind. He wants to get away from you, Doc Rivers. This led Rivers to make an outlandish and objectively hilarious comparison. Here we go, guys. Quote, there's times that I think we're getting through rivers and knowledge. And there's times that I think that I'm talking to people who still believe Trump won the election. So I'm not sure, but I'm going to keep trying. Close quote. Oh, my goodness, man. He has to bring up the 2020 election. In this whole Ben Simmons thing, it has nothing to do with it whatsoever. 
Okay, nothing to do with it. But he has to bring in Trump because he's on MSDNC. And we know that that uh, Doc Rivers is a never Trumper. You know, he's very much has a bad case of TDS, like most of all of these Marxist NBA of China players. Always has something to say about the orange man, but nothing to say whatsoever about China, who owns the NBA, who runs the NBA, who runs LeBron James, and they also running you, Doc Rivers. Crazy. No matter what Rivers and the Sixers say to Simmons, they can't convince him to go back to work for the team despite being under contract for the next four years. To Rivers, this is somehow similar to voters on the right who refuse to accept that Trump lost the presidential election to Joe Biden. What in the world? This is just classic Rivers here. He's pandering to the MSNBC audience who don't like Trump. Well, he doesn't like Trump either. He's pandering to the Philly sports fan base by talking about how stubborn Simmons is being. He's making a connection that really doesn't make any sense. Well, thank you. I'm surprised you even said that. It doesn't make any sense. It really has no connection whatsoever. None whatsoever. I mean, Doc Rivers, man. Get Trump out of your head, man. Just move on. Do your job. Stop blowing 3-1 series leads. Doc is concerned about the wrong things. I remember after the whole Jacob Blake thing, man, he was out there in that NBA bubble. He was crying, you know, because, you know, the NBA supports criminals, by the way, in case you didn't know that, you know, because we know that the cop involved in the uh, Jacob Blake thing, you know, he was trying to protect some kids. But I'll move on from that because Doc Rivers really didn't care about those kids in the back of the car. He was only concerned about the criminal. But what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of crazy Glenn Doc Rivers bringing up Trump in a conversation about Ben Simmons? It has nothing to do with each other whatsoever. Nothing. But of course, you know, Doc had to do this. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Road Lance for Black and White Sports. Oh, we're going to talk about one of these ultra-woke publications online, Deadspin. That's right. Normally, they would be busy feuding with Jason Whitlock. They've been in a feud for years because some of these people hate Jason, right? Jason is the uh, opposite voice to what they are looking for. Well, normally I would expect this publication to actually fully side with somebody like Shikari Richardson, who we know recently got slammed by the legendary Usain Bolt for not shutting up and working harder. As we know, the last time she ran a race, she finished dead ass last. Dead ass last. And uh, Usain said, hey, maybe you need to smoke less. Maybe you need to work harder. And get out there and, you know, improve your craft, okay? Well, interestingly enough, 
woke ass Deadspin has actually taken a taken a fair opposite stand on Shikari Richardson after actually calling her out. And uh, I saw this and was like, "This is different." So we're gonna take it. We're gonna take a look at it. Make sure, guys, that you are subscribed to the channel. If you think you're subscribed, double check. We think there might be some uh, unsubscribing shadiness going on with YouTube. Uh, it's happening to a lot of channels right now, and we just want to verify. Hey, get subscribed. Make sure you're still subscribed. Make sure your notification bell is still on. So let's get to this story, and this is from, like I said, Deadspin. Shikari needs to learn to listen to the legends. Shikari Richardson has had an interesting three months, to say the least. She's gone from America's darling to one of the most polarizing figures in the current sports landscape. In one summer, she's been the recipient of her fair share of internet slander. Hmm, okay. A lot of it has been a byproduct of the unfair scrutiny all black women, here we go, all black women receive when they reach a significant status, and a lot of it has been because of her screw-ups. Okay, so they still tried to defend Shikari here based solely on her skin color. And this week, Richardson continues to keep stirring the pot after she responded to a comment made by Olympic legend Usain Bolt. Quote, I would tell Shikari to train harder, to be focused, and not say too much, said Bolt in an interview with the New York Post. So just train hard, focus on that. Try to come back and do it. And then talk about it. And, guys, he also slammed her because she was running her mouth prior to the race. He openly said that uh, that made the Jamaican track and field stars angry. And they went out and they took took that out on Shikari Richardson on the track exactly where they should. And they blasted her. They blew her right right off the track. According to the Shade Room... Shikari then took to her Instagram story, posted a statement that another user wrote in her comment section. Shikari basically co-signed what the user said about people making statements in the media and not coming to her personally. And they, this is what they actually said. Everybody wants to give advice in the media, but none of them actually wants to take time to speak to her outside the media. So I feel for her. Stop speaking on me when you don't even speak to me. And she comes back and says, I could not said it better myself. Like so many other things this year, Richardson should use this as a learning experience. She already messed one up when Allison Felix tried to give her some support publicly, and it appeared she said something similar in reference to her. Yeah, she. Uh, I did a story on that, uh, a video. Allison Felix, who won a gold medal, came out, publicly supported her, and Shikari Richardson slammed her for it. It made absolutely no sense whatsoever. But, yeah, she slammed her. Uh, The Bolt situation should have been her chance to right her wrong. The fact of the matter is, when two of the best Olympic track stars of all time speak about your performance as a track athlete, it's highly likely they know what they are talking about, and you should probably just sit back and listen. Interesting take from Deadspin. You're not expecting this. When she goes back and forth with these legends, she's not only she not only alienates herself in the track community, but she loses support of many of the fans that had been rocking with her. That's right. That's right. 
This is not meant to shame Richardson, but it does highlight the growth she needs to make as an individual. These stars don't own her a phone call, especially when you came in last in one of your recent competitions. Their cosign and critiques could be vital for Richardson in her quest to return to the athlete who at the time posted the sixth fastest 100-meter dash in women's history earlier this year. She's 21 years old. She's still learning how to be on the public stage, deciphering what is a critique and what is an attack is a tough lesson for any young person. Richardson will have to gasp, grasp that lesson. We have to remember how tough a year it's been for her. They go on to talk about some of the random excuses one could use to try to alleviate, explain away her behavior. Um, it's interesting that Deadspin actually came out and slammed her on this. Uh, I'm sure Deadspin will write a follow-up and be like, we were not slamming her uh, because they don't want to get canceled over race, color of skin, because even woke publications, woke members of the media can't get their asses canceled if they're not careful. Uh, because, I mean, anytime you go against anybody that happens to be black these days, you're open to scrutiny, right? Uh, so... I think that's interesting that they come out. I actually think Deadspin is right about a lot of this. Uh, Shikari needs to go back to the drawing board, train harder, maybe smoke less, and it should be noted, this is kind of where we have gotten as a, a, the Olympic Committee, the federations involved. There's different federations involved with each kind of sport that now they are looking into the idea of maybe not having a marijuana rule and let's be honest, it's because of the public backlash tied to race that Shikari took when she tested positive. Now, I gave her credit when she did. She owned up to it. She took full responsibility for it. But she's turned into a complete turd in a punch bowl ever since. Uh, I, I don't find her likable in the least. Why? Because of the attitude and the takes she's had. That coming out and slamming Allison Felix, when I listened to the video, and she fully supported Shikari, but somehow she took that as a clap at her, so she slammed Allison Felix. It's repulsive. It made no sense. Uh, she needs to get her shit together and get back out on the track stage and don't run your mouth before you do it because you obviously made a bunch of athletes mad and they blew you off the track. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, black and white sports fans, let's talk about the NFL. Two weeks into the 2021 NFL season, there has been taunting penalties because the NFL wants to crack down on players taunting each other. And guys, we're living in a post-George Floyd world where everything through the world sports media is seen through a racial lens. So two weeks in already with these taunting penalties, the Walt Sports Media is calling the NFL, you guessed it, racist. 
for implementing these taunting penalties. Now, guys, this does not surprise me. Donald Trump said a few weeks ago, everything woke turns to shit. And he's right. Everything is getting super duper woke. But however, you know, the NFL is playing the black national anthem, you know, so obviously they can't be racist. But uh, I digress. I don't think that the NFL is racist. I don't. I think they're woke. I think they're trying to pander. That's pretty much it. But now the media is turning against the NFL. Check this out, guys. Ban on taunting in NFL is racist with a question mark. Crackdown on uh, goading is attempt to, quote, control black bodies, claims journalists. And they're actually talking about Mike Freeman of the USA Today because he wrote an opinion piece, a hit piece on the NFL, basically called them racist for wanting to, quote, control of black bodies. Wow. Just unreal, guys. Unreal. Also, on Deadspin, it says, yes, the NFL's taunting penalty is racist. So they are losing it, folks. But let's dive into what Mike Freeman has to say here. It's ridiculous, okay? It says, opinion. Dumb NFL taunting rule, which hurts the sport, is really about control of black bodies. Unreal. So woke Mike Freeman writes this. It was August when one of the most respected people in the NFL and a member of the Leeds competition committee went full dork. Quote, we we get kind of sick and tired of the taunting that does go on from time to time on the field. Giants owner, co-owner John Mara said. I know dorks. I'm a dork. I sleep with a protractor under Star Trek posters. But even I'm hardly bothered by taunting. The idea that most fans are sick and tired of taunting likely just isn't true. Most fans, I believe, think taunting is all in good fun. And the people who don't like taunting, in my opinion, are humorless dorts who probably call the cops when a neighbor mows the lawn too early on Sunday morning. Oh, my goodness. I do agree. You know, I believe that fans do like the taunting. I like to see it, too. But. The NFL doesn't want players out there taunting each other. And I believe this kind of goes back to sportsmanship more than anything. And it has nothing to do with race because high school players, they're going to be watching the NFL, watching their favorite players, and they want to mimic them. You know, when I was in high school, you weren't allowed to taunt. You couldn't do it. And I know that football players, they look up to NFL players. So. The NFL just wants the players to set a good example for the younger kids as they go through the ranks and one day they'll become professional athletes. It's about being a professional. Has nothing to do with race, but we'll get into the race part. It says, in, in fact, fans would probably like more taunting as long as it was fun and not over the top. We really don't see players going too far with taunting. The taunting rule was always going to be a massive problem. Under his emphasis emerged from the bowels of NFL owner diamond cutting up tightness. This rule is what happens when khakis and mayonnaise have a baby. It is without question one of the worst rules the NFL has ever passed. There are a few moments when fans and players both agree something is stupid 
And this is one of those times. The rule is also something else besides an error in judgment and offensive to Dortz. It's about control specifically and mostly it's about control of black bodies. Oh, my goodness. Now, last I checked, folks, the NFL just doesn't have black players. There's white players, too. Now, there's probably some other races as well. I know that the majority are black, but the rule isn't geared towards black people because guess what? If white players violate the rule, they'll get a flag. They'll get a fine, too. It's not just about controlling black people. It's ridiculous that this woke writer uh, wrote this. The examples of the ridiculousness of the rule has been well covered. Why the league enacted the rule in the first place hasn't been. Control of the player bl- control of the player base, which is 70% black, has long been the mantra of NFL ownership and some front office members. Owners mostly don't see the players as partners. They see them as something to dominate. They still see them as cattle, something stated blatantly by former Dallas Cowboy executive Ted Schramm. Wow. Wow. So this woke writer says that the NFL sees them as cattle. But last time I checked, cattle are not getting paid millions of dollars to play a game and set these players up for life. This is insane. But he goes on. There's long been a racial component to this. And while the league has gotten better in how it treats black players, it's still at times Donald Trump adjacent. Of course, you know, he had to bring in Trump. The way football essentially banished Colin Kaepernick from protests and social injustice is a perfect example of how the NFL uses control as weaponry. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. The NFL did not banish Colin Kaepernick. The NFL also allowed him to kneel every single week. And now the NFL has even come out and apologized to him, which is ridiculous because they have bent over backwards to give this man an opportunity. And he refused to take up on the opportunity to try to get on an NFL team because being a professional victim is more profitable than being on an NFL field. This is ridiculous. But it says the league used Kaepernick as a cautionary tale. You can only protest in a way we deem appropriate. If you step outside those boundaries, you'll get the cabinet treatment. Ridiculous to say that because other players knelt for the anthem too. But guess what? They still were able to get on an NFL team. You know why? Because they were good enough. Colin Kaepernick, not so much. Instead of, say, using Cole Beasley as an example, as he actively undermines the health and safety of players by pushing an anti-vats agenda, and embarrasses football with various ridiculous stunts. The NFL puts his muscle into a rule few want, need, or ask for. Wow. Now he's going after Cole Beasley. Now Cole Beasley is white. And Cole Beasley is not pushing an anti-vats agenda. He says he's not going to get it. He's not telling you not to get it. He just doesn't want to get it. This is ridiculous. There's a reason for that. It goes back to control. It's more important to the lead to wrangle is uppity players than it is to confront an anti-vaxxer who can 
actually do real damage. I've heard various theories from players and agents over the past few weeks about why the NFL felt it necessary to emphasize this rule, and some of them go beyond just simple control. One theory is that the league knew it might face potential backlash from conservatives over some of the social justice measures it planned to enact this season, and the taunting rule emphasis was a way to appease conservatives who don't like the measures. The taunting rule is a sort of social justice counterbalance. Oh, God. Unreal that this guy wrote this. There are times when the NFL is racially the land that time forgot stuck stuck somewhat in the 1950s. Then it surprises and does something progressive. Then it stumbles and does something absurd, like push a taunting rule. There are likely some black players and coaches who don't mind the rule, but I can tell you with certainty there is growing outrage among a large swath of the player base. It's only a matter of time before numerous numerous players speak out against the rule as they should. Unreal that this woke writer for the USA Today wants to bring in race. Because, guys, everything woke, it turns to shit. And Deadspin, no different either here. Yes, the NFL's taunting rule is racist. The enforcement of this rule screams, play the white way. Wow. Wow. I I just can't believe this, man. But, you know, the World Sports Media. This is not surprising, you know, coming from them. It's not. It's not. But this is the kind of world that we're living in right now where the media has to be super duper woke. Maybe they went to the Ibram X. Kendi uh, School of uh, uh, Sports Writing to see every single thing through a racial lens. I do not believe for one second, folks. That the taunting rule is racist. I believe that the NFL just wants the players black, white or whatever to behave in a professional manner on the field. Now, do I like taunting? Yeah, I like it. I think it's fun. I really do think it's fun. But the NFL has been long known as the no fun league for many, many years and decades or not for long. I mean, this has nothing to do with race. Think of this, guys. In the NBA, Dikembe Mutombo was one of the greatest taunters of all time. He would block a shot and then he would get in the face of the player that he blocked and he would do the finger wag in their face. And eventually, Michael Jordan, you know, did the same thing to Deke one one time. He dunked on him and Michael Jordan did the finger wag in Deke's face. But eventually, the NBA said, Deke, you can't do that. It's taunting. We're not going to allow that. So you can't do it in the face of the player. Now, they didn't ban him doing the finger wad. He just had to do it towards the crowd. And nobody was complaining about racism then. At least I don't remember. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Is the NFL taunting rule racist? Of course not. I don't believe it is, but maybe you do. You can let us know that in the comments below. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. 
be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Live. Well, we're going to talk about Stephen A. Smith because earlier today it came out that Andrew Wiggins, because he is playing with the Golden State Warriors, he may not be able to play. Why? Because they got vaccine mandates. Yeah, that's right. Jab mandates. And now the media, the woke sports media, like Stephen A. Smith of ESPN's first take, is losing his ever-loving mind. He's losing it right now, all because Andrew Wiggins, somebody that Stephen A. Smith is not personally involved with, is not getting the jab. So he thinks Andrew Wiggins should be traded. That's right. Trade him now. The outrage is thick. Now, I am not lost in the irony of the fact that so many of these woke NBA players that pushed said administration supposedly into office right now uh are the ones are so many of them don't want to be vaccinated evidently the nets have quite a few that aren't vaccinated too and may not be able to play and i just i'm not lost on that strangeness there well wait a minute y'all y'all wanted the jab mandator in office (laughs) but yet you didn't want the jab okay that makes a lot of sense no it doesn't but I do give Andrew Wiggins some credit for sticking to his guns here. Again, once again, you know, if you choose to get the jab, it's your own personal business. If you choose not to, once again, it's your own personal business. But we do feel like it's up to you, and we don't feel like it should be mandated on anybody. Let's get to this story, because Stephen A. Smith is irate. Slams Warriors Andrew Wiggins for refusing COVID vaccine. Trade him now. Oh, the outrage. Stephen A. Smith has a simple solution for the Golden State Warriors. If star forward Andrew Wiggins won't get vaccinated, trade him. Trade him for the white boy, Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) Oh, God. The Warriors reportedly have a growing concern that they will be without Wiggins for home games beginning October 13th when San Francisco's indoor vaccine mandates for large events take effect. Good grief. In March, Wiggins stated he did not plan on getting vaccinated against COVID-19, and he reportedly has not wavered. Quote, they should trade Andrew Andrew Wiggins today, period. Get rid of him. Send him someplace else. This is not a hard decision for me. Send him to Dallas. Uh, Smith said bluntly, Andrew Wiggins right now, because of the vaccination mandate in the city of San Francisco, would not be able to play in 41 home games for the Golden State Warriors. Smith continued on first take. Then what what do you need him for? What good is he? Trade him. The city of San Francisco would require all staff and employees of large indoor events to be fully vaccinated. Performers who are not employed by the host will not be required to show vaccination proof of vaccination, meaning Wiggins will be barred from the home, home arena. Now get this, but unvaccinated road players will be allowed on in. <laughs> this is how crazy this is. 
quote, in the NBA, you got coaches, the medical staff, the NBA personnel. Everybody has to be vaccinated. Exclamation point. The only people that don't have to be are the players. It's a bad situation. How about none of them be required to be vaccinated? As the NBA attempted to determine its COVID protocols for the upcoming season, the Player Association declined to accept any sort of vaccine mandate. LeBron, are you vaccinated right now? While the league can't enforce its players to get the jab, they won't be excused from local vaccine mandates. So far, San Francisco and New York are the only NBA cities with indoor vaccine mandates. Quote, professional athletes are notorious for putting things in their body they don't even know, Smith ranted, expressing his confusion with Wiggins' jab hesitation. All of a sudden, now that you have the ability to harm other people, oh, good God, stay in your house and never leave it again, Stephen A. Suddenly, you want to get righteous and be like, no, I'm not taking this. That makes no sense. If you're the Golden State Warriors, trade him now, period. Smith closed. Oh, God. Cry me a river, Stephen A. Ridiculous. Once again, part of the media, like Mike Florio, pro football talk, Stephen A., congratulations, you are officially a Corona bro. You can hook up with Stephen A. Smith and some of them other ones, Dan Woken, (laughs) Walken Woken, uh, and some of these other guys in the media, and you can be so worried about whether or not somebody has got their jab. Make sure you got the jab. You can be like Mike Florio. You can be tracking the players. Who's got a mask on today? Who doesn't? Oh, because if they got on a mask, they're probably not vaccinated. Oh, Lord. Stephen A. Smith, once again, wow. He gets more woke by the day. More loony, loony toony, lunatic, losing his mind. Stephen A. Smith with more terrible takes. From ESPN, he fits right in there, doesn't he? The worldwide leader in woke, he's perfect. He's perfect. You know what surprises me about everything with Stephen A. Smith is the fact that he would want Max Kellerman gone. They're perfect for each other. It was the perfect marriage of wokeness. Oh, God. Terrible. Terrible. Tell me what you think, black and white live fans. Andrew Wiggins, should he be forced out of town? Look, the Golden State Warriors can't do anything with him. I mean, I do get that, um, but, you know, it, it's pathetic that Andrew Wiggins has to decide what he wants to stick in his body over a local mandate. That's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. Everybody has lost their mind. Tell me what you think. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, let's talk a little bit about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. After this week's game against the Rams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be going over to Foxborough for the Tampa Bay and New England game. This will be Tom Brady's first game going back to Foxborough since he actually left to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, we already know Tom Brady won the Super Bowl in his first season in Tampa Bay. Bill Belichick, he went 79 without Tom Brady. 
And it seems like this week, man, the inner circle of Tom Brady seems to be going after Bill Belichick. Now, Rhodes has already put up a video on Black and White Live about how Tom Brady Sr. says that Tom Brady feels vindicated that he actually went to Tampa Bay and won. Now, guys, if you actually look at Tom Brady the last few seasons in Tampa Bay, it seems like he is having the time of his life. He actually has a show with Gronk that he's doing. He's having a bunch of fun. No way in the world I believe that that show would happen if he was still with the Patriots. Now, do I believe that he wanted to finish his career with the Patriots? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But I can't blame him for wanting to go to Tampa Bay. The weather's great. It's not snowing. It's not freezing. I'm out here in the South, so I know how good the weather can be. But now, guys, Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady's trainer, has come out and threw Bill Belichick under the bus. Man, this game next week, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of fireworks. There's going to be questions about um, what the, what Tom Brady Sr. had to say about Belichick and what Alex Guerrero had to say about Belichick as well. Now, do I believe this is the way that Tom Brady feels? Yeah, I believe that the relationship probably soured because Bill Belichick wanted Tom Brady out of there. He wanted him gone. Now, we know that a few seasons before Brady left, Bill Belichick wanted Tom Brady out of there. He wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, move forward with that, and Tom Brady, Robert Kraft, basically overruled uh, Bill Belichick. But let's go ahead. Let's dive into this, guys. Tom Brady's trainer hits Bill Belichick for coaching practices with star quarterback. The history around Tom Brady and the Patriots is being rehashed before his return to Foxborough. And on Fox News, it says Tom Brady's personal trainer, Alice Guerrero, took a shot at New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick on Thursday, saying a six time Super Bowl winner never evolved over the course of his tenure there. Now, if you look at uh, Bill Belichick, he seems like the same guy from 20 plus years ago. He's pretty miserable. He doesn't want to talk to the media and he never gives any favoritism, you know. And you know what? Tom Brady probably actually benefited from that. But I do believe that Tom Brady wanted to be respected. I remember, I believe it was his final season in New England. They asked him about, um, do you want to, do you want more respect or something like that? And he pled the fifth. He didn't even want to answer. So we knew that something was going on over there in New England. Yes, they won the Super Bowl uh, the season before he actually left uh, for Tampa Bay. Not the actual season that uh, his last season there, but the season before his last, I should say. But it says that the rehashing of Brady's time with the Patriots is coming less than two weeks before the star quarterback is set to make an appearance as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Gillette Stadium in week four. It will be the first time Brady is back as a member of the Bucks. Now, I'm wondering what is going to be the emotional side of Tom Brady playing back in Foxborough. I mean, will it be kind of sad? Because I remember when Emmett Smith went back to uh, Texas Stadium as an Arizona Cardinal and went to, went to play the uh, Dallas Cowboys. He sat in the locker room and he was crying. He's like, man, I'm not supposed to be in here because he's a Dallas Cowboy. But I believe 
that probably won't happen with Tom Brady because he's already won a Super Bowl with the Bucks, and he's still on top of his game. It says here, Guerrero told the Boston Herald that the way Belichick treated players was consistent through the time Brady was there, and it didn't exactly fit what the quarterback needed. Quote, I think in time with Tom, as Tom got into his late 30s or early 40s, I think Bill was still trying to treat him like that 20-year-old kid that he drafted. And all the players, I think, realized Tom was different, Guerrero told the newspaper. He's older, so he should have been treated differently. And all the players, none of them would have cared that he was treated differently. I think that was such a Bill thing. He never he never evolved. So you can't treat some someone who's in their 40s like they're 20. It doesn't work. And you know what? He's probably right about that because I'm only a week older than Tom Brady. And Tom Brady was drafted in 2000. And in 2000, both him and me were 20, 23 years old. Okay, now I'm a much different, much more mature person now at age 44 than I was at 23. I do not expect anybody to treat me like I'm in my early 20s. I'm a grown man. I'm much more mature. And you know what? Also, when you've been in the same business for 20 something years, you're probably going to be an expert, you know, but this is so Belichick. Now, I remember Troy Aikman saying to Jimmy Johnson. He treated the star players differently than the 50th man on the roster because that's Troy Aikman. That's Emmett Smith. That's Michael Irvin. These are the stars. These are the guys that are going to lead us to the promised land. It's the same in New England. Tom Brady's the man. He is the man that is going to ride us to championships. But Bill Belichick didn't treat anybody any differently. And he never really gave any praise whatsoever to Tom Brady. Yeah, when they won Super Bowls, they would hug each other and everything like that. But you never heard him praise how great Tom Brady was. Not until he actually left and he signed with the Buccaneers. Belichick said, yep, he is the greatest of all time. But when he was actually in New England, never gave the man any praise. And I'm pretty sure that actually weighed on Tom Brady. Guerrero also had a controversial time with the Patriots in 2017. Belichick stripped the trainer of his team privileges and he was reportedly banned from the team plane and only allowed to treat Brady. And I remember that. So maybe Alice Guerrero does have a bone to pick. Uh, Brady want to have, I guess, want to have his um his entourage, I guess you can say, maybe only Guerrero around because, you know, that's his trainer. He keeps him in tip top shape. Uh, Guerrero, Guerrero is also one of the reasons why right now Tom Brady is actually able to play right now into his 40s. And Tom Brady's talking about 50 now. We'll have to see about that. Uh, that's a long time away. I mean, that's another six years. I know Tom Brady's playing at an elite level. He's he actually could win the MVP at age 44. He is the GOAT. But what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of Alex Guerrero throwing Bill Belichick under the bus? Because he never evolved in the way he treated Tom Brady, treating a 40 year old Tom Brady like a 23 year old Tom Brady, like he's some little kid. I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to treat me like I was a little kid. 
I'm a grown man. Uh, Tom Brady was there until age 42. Much more mature player. I'm pretty sure he's a more mature human being as well. But Bill Belichick still treated him like he was this little, uh, what, what was it, sits round uh, rookie quarterback pick number 199 when the man was a three-time league MVP. And at that point, he was a four-time Super Bowl MVP. And Bill Bel- Belichick basically never really gave him the respect he deserved. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, let's talk about ESPN's Stephen A. Smith, the host of First Take. In case you guys didn't know, he is a black man. Now, Stephen A. Smith is always race-baiting something all the time on ESPN. He has to remind you he's a black man. He's known for saying black people don't get these opportunities, you know, especially the last year when sports and the sports media went super duper woke. It just did. And it it has turned off a whole bunch of people. The race baiting in sports, seeing everything through a racial lens is pretty sickening. Okay. But in this case here, Stephen A. Smith did something a little bit different. Now, Stephen A. Smith was talking about Christian McCaffrey who is a white running back. And I know white running backs are extremely rare. When you think of the all-time great running backs, I don't believe that any of them are white. They're all pretty much black for the most part. And I can make a case and say all of them are. I mean, when you think of Jim Brown, uh, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, Adrian Peterson, Tony Dorsett, they're all black. Now, it is rare to see a white running back be effective. Okay. Now, I don't know how many white athletes out there want to be running backs. When you think of um, positions, you think of uh, quarterback, for example, offensive line, uh, that kind of thing. But you normally don't think of running back. And Christian McCaffrey is a very, very good running back. But nobody really talks about him. And Stephen A. Smith has now come out, guys. And he has called it reverse discrimination that we don't talk about Christian McCaffrey. I'm absolutely surprised, you know, that uh, Stephen A. Smith has come out and said this. Now, let's read this over here on OutKick. Bobby Burrack writes his article, Stephen A. It's reverse discrimination. Christian McCaffrey doesn't get more attention. Stephen A. Smith is calling people racist. On first take. Why is is that noteworthy and not the daily expectation? Because this time Smith is alleging a white athlete is the victim. We are not joking. Thursday, Smith told Lewis Riddick that the sports world ignores running back Christian McCaffrey because of his white skin color. 
And you know what, guys? I'm not the one, you know, to race bait whatsoever. I believe it's just you don't expect to see white running backs. It's unfortunate. I believe if you're good enough for the job, you get enough for the job, no matter what your skin color is. But Stephen A. Smith says this, quote, I said this about Christian McCaffrey before, and I'm going to say it again. Smith yelled, ladies and gentlemen, it's damn near reverse discrimination. If this brother were black, we'd be talking about him more. I mean, this dude is special. Now, let's look at um, the stats of Christian McCaffrey, and he is definitely a very, very good running back. In 2018, he ran for almost 1,100 yards, five yards per carry, and seven touchdowns. This isn't a fullback, folks. Now, when you think of fullbacks, yes, you will see white uh, fullbacks, but they're normally, you know, bigger guys. They're not going to be the halfback running like Emmitt Smith. Just not going to happen. 2019, Chris McCaffrey, 1,387 yards, almost 1,400 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, and 15 touchdowns. That is Emmett Smith-like when it comes to those touchdowns. Now, 2020, he only played three games. Um, not much to really talk about there. But so far this year, he has 170 yards, 3.8 yards per carry. And if that was actually um, expanded through an entire season, he's on pace for 1,360 yards and eight touchdowns. That's pretty good right there. He's definitely a very good running back. But also, you know, we're in a passing lead, folks. So nobody is really talking about running backs for the most part. It's all about the quarterback. Quarterbacks have the ball the majority of the time, and this is a passing lead. This is not the 1990s where you actually had running backs um, running the ball a lot more than they do now. It goes on here, says there are two layers to Smith's statement. First, if he's talking about the media, he's probably right. Now, I believe he is. If you close your eyes and hear the word running back, you instinctively picture a black athlete. Like most positions in the NFL, black people primarily make up the bulk of starting running backs. In addition, society mostly agrees that white people are less athletic than black on a per average per person average. Running back is a position based on speed and athleticism. However, only someone who thinks about McCaffrey's skin color would view him as a white running back, meaning TV hosts and sports writers likely see him as such. By contrast, Sports fans don't care about skin color. They see players by their position, impact, team, and personality. Football fans who watch games on Sundays are not counting who is on the field in a nod to Matt Kellerman. Now, Matt Kellerman definitely cares about skin color on the field. That's been noted. So then why is McCaffrey a star on the field? A bigger deal? Because he is just that, a star on the field. McCaffrey is a star running back for the Carolina Panthers. By and large, national sports fans don't pay attention to running backs on irrelevant teams. So while fans respect McCaffrey, they know his play has little impact on the overall NFL season. Yeah, I mean, Barry Sanders was on a bad team most of his career, but he was Barry Sanders and Christian McCaffrey is no Barry Sanders. Don't even get it twisted, okay? Now, one 
white running back that comes to mind was Peyton Hillis. Now, Peyton Hillis had one good season, and that was in um, 2010, where he ran for almost 1,200 yards right here, 4.4 yards per carry. He was the only uh, other white running back of note, but he had a pretty lengthy career, 2008 to 2014, okay? Derrick Henry, a black man, is the only active NFL running back who is a household name. But remember, fans don't care about Henry nationally until 2019, the season Tennessee beat New England and Baltimore in the playoffs. Henry followed that up, followed that year by leading the Titans to the postseason with over 2,000 rushing yards. We talk about running bats when they lead teams to the playoffs, challenge historical records, or commit crimes. For McCaffrey, uncheck, uncheck, and uncheck. Moreover, the Panthers don't play on national TV often. Therefore, the national, the average NFL viewer hasn't watched Carolina since they drafted McCaffrey. Should that change, McCaffrey's notoriety would increase and more football fans would have an opinion on McCaffrey's game. As a result, shows like First Take would cover him more frequently. The interest around Christian McCaffrey wouldn't look much different if he were black. But as Stephen A. Smith says, perhaps the coverage led by personalities who only see skin color would look differently. And guys, Stephen A. was probably really talking about the media. Probably so, because I know for the most part, guys like us, me and Rhodes, you know, we don't look at skin color when it comes to positions in the NFL. Now, we do know the vast majority of running backs are black. When it comes to quarterback, we don't say, hey, quarterback, he has to be white. No. First of all, all of the highest paid uh, QBs of all time, they've all been black. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Stephen A. Smith, do you agree with his take that if Christian McCaffrey were black, we would be talking about him a whole lot more? Do you actually think he's talking about the media? Or do you think he's talking about the fans? Probably. He's probably really talking about the media because the media is the ones that cover all of all of the players. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. tuning into black and white sports on youtube the no holds barred truth on sports the main event starts now i'm back rodrance for black and white sports oh it's only fitting that i do this video where mr no chance in hell himself vince mcmahon has introduced this is brave stunning and courageous because the WWE will probably be canceled immediately, if not sooner. They have introduced a wrestler that is literally making fun of woke leftists. A character that likes to go into his safe space. I kid you not. Let's take a look at this from the WWE. WWE pokes fun at the woke left with new wrestler. I love this. 
WWE took a jab at the woke left this week when it debuted a new up-and-coming pro wrestler who preached, quote, unity and declared he didn't need to use his, quote, male privilege to win. But then he was pinned in less than five seconds. The network introduced Joe Gacy. No relation to John Wayne Gacy. On Tuesday on NXT 2.0, which showcases its latest stars, according to Fox News. Win, lose, or draw at Joe Gacy will bring his safe space to hashtag WWE NXT, the event said on Twitter. In his gimmick, the progressive wrestler told Florida crowd that his that the ring is his, quote, safe space where differences are settled. Quote, NXT 2.0 is full of conflict from the smallest microaggression to the most heinous grudges. This is a special place where we settle our differences he said with the spotlight shining on him in the middle of the ring quote i come to you tonight with a mindset of conflict resolution where i don't need to use my male privilege to get what i want this is funny but his woke ideology was met with booze from the audience at the capital wrestling center in orlando as they waited for the bout to kick off Quote, I understand, just like you, that life isn't fair. I believe that we can achieve unity and tolerance for all of us. And I can be that man that will show you we can achieve peace in this safe space. And it starts tonight. (laughs) Son of a bitch. However, Gacy's hope for unity was dashed when opponent Cameron Grimes pinned him in less than five minutes. But no hard feelings. Apparently, Gacy continued to express his message by hugging the puzzled Victor. Better watch it. He might go for a reach around. Former WWE wrestler and NXT commentator Wade Barrett reacted to the safe ring promo earlier by saying, quote, that made no sense to me whatsoever. He noted, I've snapped my arm in that ring. I've separated his shoulder. I've broken my nose more times than I can count. That ring is anything but safe. But Barrett added that Gacy quote, looks at the world a little differently than you and I, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Good God. WWE Chairman Vince McMahon, whose goal has been to provide fans a respite from their day-to-day lives, has capitalized on politically charged issues before. In the 1980s, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, God, the good old days, became the WWE's most despised characters when they demanded fans respect the singing of the Soviet National Anthem. I remember that. And years later, Sergeant Slaughter incurred the wrath of fans when he turned his back on the U.S. and became an Iraqi sympathizer. (laughs) Oh, God, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon has no scruples. He doesn't care. If he thinks somebody is going to hate a character... He will create it, and he will put it out in front of everybody. And it is so funny that this new WWE character got the absolute crap boot out of it when he hit the ring and then got his butt pinned in less than five minutes. Joe Gacy. Better have been John Wayne Gacy. Good God. This is funny. No chance in hell, Vince. Puts a woke, can't call him a superstar because he's getting his ass whipped. 
Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Are you looking forward to watching Mr. Safe Space himself, Joe Gacy, come to the ring? God, I hope he runs into Stone Cold Steve Austin. Can we get a stunner? Can we break some glass in this B for the state of Texas? Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports.